welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On tonight's show, we've got, dare I say, the penultimate regular season edition, the second to last episode of these 2023 deciding point shows, where, of course, we break down everything that's happening across the Division I college tennis world. It is crazy to say that fact out loud, but folks, we are less than two weeks away from no what the 2023 NCAA men's and women's tournament fields will look like. As such, we know what time of the season it is on the calendar. You've got postseason tournaments ahead for a couple of Power Five conferences, some final weekends of regular season play on the horizon as well. But more than anything else, it means we've got so much to discuss here on today's show. And joining me to help set the scene, as he does each and every Tuesday night here on these episodes of The Deciding Point, is a man you all know best as a returning champion of returning champions here on our Crack Rackets podcast, the founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast, our dearest friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, I don't know what I don't even know what to say in these intros anymore. I'm I'm just ready to rock and roll. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm extremely ready. I mean, we've got conference tournaments coming up. We had just some incredible showdowns this past weekend. Some of the final regular season finales for a lot of schools. That means conference rivalries, uh, you know, top two, top three battles. Uh, it's a very, very exciting time. The countdown is on for my trip to Orlando, which I always <laughs> schedule, uh, you know, the, we're, we're counting down the days. I'm excited. That's what I like to hear. Hopefully it wasn't a Southwest booked flight and you changed it this morning before all the brouhaha went down. But yeah, I mean, to your oh, point, I, I don't know the brouhaha, but I'm not on Southwest. OK, good. That's what I like to hear. Um, To your point, if you're monitoring college tennis via social media, I mean, Every senior day post, right? Every tweet, you saw the posters, you saw the player holding the photo, holding the flowers. I'm not going to say I cried because I didn't, but I will say I am home this weekend, home meaning visiting my parents in Michigan. I am hoping to attend the University of Michigan senior day for the men's team. I think I might be emceeing the event. It looks like it's going to rain on Sunday. So for what it's worth, if you want to watch me cry during a senior day, tune into the Varsity Tennis Center noon Sunday. I'm, I'm just afraid there are going to be a few waterworks, Jay. But more broadly, I am curious because, again, this isn't something we talk about. It's an opening tangent here, unplanned to start tonight's show. How have you thought the social media has been across the board? Because I, I saw you tweeting about it recently, and certainly it does feel like not 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 like a full stretch of tweets, but I saw you comment. I think it was on the Texas video that they oh, had yeah. in the build up to the. Yeah, don't shake your head at me. I know. Well, I didn't know what we were talking you. about. Yeah, no, it's more like the Texas videos to pump up the crowd. You get a lot yeah. of stuff, obviously, from Georgia's of the world, the Oklahoma's of the world, all these schools now. It does feel like they're making a more concerned effort, Jay, to at least give us a minute of something. And look, you and I are at the forefront of complaining we don't get enough co coverage and we'll continue to push the envelope because we want to see more. But I do have to say it's a step in the right direction. I do think this year things got a little better. Yeah, I think you know, tennis is the beneficiary of rising tides lift all boats. Sure. And I think a lot of these schools, particularly in the Power Five, who are having to differentiate themselves in just such a competitive market in a 
a talent competition when it comes to things like football. What are they doing to stand out? A lot of it is social media. How are they connecting with potential players? It's social media. And so the benefit that other non-revenue sports have, like a tennis, is those templates, those talented photographers. Well, when football isn't in season, they get to spread themselves around a little bit. So I think you're seeing that holistically in college sports and it's benefiting tennis. I think it's great. What Texas did specifically, and this is stealing my opening tangent plan from my No Ad No Problem podcast tomorrow, I'm happy to do it here, is they have specifically focused on what makes college tennis differentiated from Wimbledon or professional tennis. And I always said, if I had $100,000 to spend, which if anyone has it, I'm, I'm, I'm open for it. If I had that money to spend on growing college tennis, what would I do? I would invest in social media marketing, specifically on showcasing the energy and the excitement and the crowd of college tennis matches. And Texas put out three pieces of content that did exactly that. They had Elliot Spaziri and Coach Burke talk about it specifically. This is not your Wimbledon. They had a hype video of the players' reactions, the crowd reactions. And then they had a video with their president talking about how college tennis is different than professional tennis. Those three pieces of content, if anyone is listening, anyone has the authority to kind of help corral social media, that content will go so much farther in attracting your everyday college student or potential local player who understands, wait, I don't know what college tennis is. It sounds like just two players from a school competing against each other, like sounds boring. No, no, no. It's way more than that. So that was what my tweet was referencing when I was really congratulating, commending Texas for what they're doing. Yeah, I I do think that would probably be the best, most efficient spending of that $100,000. High ROI, I think. Yeah, yeah. return on investment indeed for those who are not in the acronym circle. Um, Yeah, I I agree. I I think that's perfectly put. I am even a sucker. I've said it on a recent recent men's show for the nicknames. Like every time TCU tweets something about Captain Jack, Jack Pennington Jones, I'm in. Like I'm throwing a like on the tweet. I just think it's hilarious and have fun. Like be in on the joke. I know earlier this year, they're a mistaker from Oklahoma. They were trying to get Oklahomans to come out to the match that the Sooners were hosting. They had her work the Oklahoma accent. Like, I like it. I'm all for it. Be stupid. Be clever. Be gimmicky. Like, take a shot. What do you have to lose? Because we're at the point where all content is good content for college tennis. Anything to push the envelope forward. Yes, there's some cringy things. Of course, you and I could, I'm sure, point to plenty of examples. But I like cringy better than nothing. At this point, and I do really think schools are trying to make an effort now, as you alluded to, I think it's the rising tide lifts all boats sort of theory where there is a little bit more free time, particularly at this portion of the spring, particularly when it's NCAA championship season, like golf's got their championships, tennis has their championships coming up. You can point to all these different sports. We're just wrapping the spring semester But I do feel like these teams did a really good job throughout the course of senior day weekend. And again, I could point to so many different ones. I'll tell you what, if I never have to see the Fiona Crawley, like the ba, 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 I'm doing a little dance. The gif they show every every time she wins the match, you're like the boom, boom. Like, you know what I'm saying, Jay? Like, I even like those for the first month, then maybe month (laughs) four. Like, I would like get us a second gif. But like, I, I like it. 
Yeah, I think now they know that just shoot a few different variations so you yeah. at least have a few different <laughs> gifts to throw into the rotation because, you know, we we like them, but we see them a lot. But no, overall, my trolley dance. That's what it is, right? Isn't it something like that? It's like, I'm boom, still I'm boom. still waiting. It, it's exactly like that. You should keep doing it. I'm still <laughs> waiting for the Crawley National Anthem. Did you know she sang the National Anthem at Duke? Or Do I know? I spent I spent an absurd amount of time, meaning north of five minutes, less than an hour, but north of five minutes looking for the video. And I couldn't find I almost I almost sent the text to Mrs. Crawley and be like, Mrs. Crawley, please. I've never asked you for anything <laughs> before. Like send me the national anthem. But yeah, why do that if you're not going to show it to the world? Like I want to see it. I'm sure oh, you want to see it. I want to see it. By the way, number one player in the world, you've or in the world, in the country, you get the right to say I'm singing the national anthem today and coach can't say anything about it. So fun tangent for you. Again, we're rocking and rolling postseason energy. Jay and I are in our prime form here as we break down the past week in the professional, excuse me, college tennis world. Evidently, my brain is not ready to roll. But of course, the reason we've been able to cover everything throughout the course of this 2023 season is because of the support we get from all of you. We appreciate so many of you, Scotty B, Archit, coaches, players who I know tune in week in, week out. We're immensely grateful that so many of you continue to do so. Uh, obviously, we're all excited for the postseason's home stretch, and we have a lot of announcements pertaining to our coverage of the postseason coming up here at Crack Rackets. That's what we call a tease. Of course, we know the opportunities we get would not be possible without all of you. So thank you for tuning in. And then, of course, a massive thank you to our presenting sponsors in both Turna and LS. Now, all of you have heard about the latest product being offered by our friends at Turner. You know about their standard Turner grip. It's been the defining grip on the market for more than two decades now. But have you heard of their latest product? It's called Turner Tough. And simply put, it's a more durable version of your Turner grip. It's still going to get tackier as you sweat. You're still going to get that iconic trademarked blue-colored grip on your racket as well. If you're ready to upgrade your equipment to the next level, turn to our friends at Turner Tough. We are so happy to have them back supporting our efforts here at Cracked Rackets. You can find Turna wherever you buy your gear. So be sure to turn to our friends at Turna today. Of course, a massive shout out as well to our friends at LS. You know the deal to see the entire LS catalog to be able to see what they offer to you all. Just click on the link in the description to this podcast again. Massive thank you to LS who have been with us from the start of this 2023 college tennis season. With all of that said, Jay, Let's finally talk about what's happened over the course of the past week. And look, our shows partially due to necessity, where have the big results come throughout the course of the year? The ACC, the SEC, particularly over the course of the past month is there are so many top 10, top 15, top 25 schools within those conferences. I wanted to mix things up today a little bit, Jay, because there are some areas of the country we haven't talked about. And with the NCAA tournament approaching, perhaps now would be the best time to discuss some of these schools, to discuss some of these conferences. And the place I want to start is with the Big Ten, is with the University of Michigan, who knocked out Ohio State 4-1 this past weekend. They clinched a conference title over the Buckeyes. More broadly, though, the question I have to ask is, how good is this Big Ten? And how do your perceptions of the Big Ten cloud how you see a Michigan, how you see an Ohio State heading into postseason play? Because, look, this Michigan team, it went undefeated in conference play. 
This Michigan team also has some really good wins. Now, they were back in January, but they beat Oklahoma. They beat Oklahoma State twice. Got a big win over UVA, of course, at the National Indoors. They went on the road, beat Cal during their spring break trip. Two losses, two, uh, two wins, excuse me, over the Buckeyes as well. You even look at their three losses. Like, at Pepperdine is not a bad loss. UNC at the National Indoors is the definition of an acceptable loss. Maybe you want at Florida back, of course, particularly just the fashion in which they lost that match. And yet, like, I still don't know what to make of the ceiling of this Michigan team, Jay, if they're in the inner circle or not, because I just don't know how to judge what they did. And let's be clear. I don't think they were pushed to 4-3 ever in Big Ten play. They rolled through the conference pretty comfortably. So I suppose it's a two-part question. How good is this Michigan team? And how do your how good is the Big Ten, and how do your perceptions of the conference shape how you view Michigan? Well, I'll answer the second part first because I think it's not a new story. I think we yeah. see this sort of year after year, particularly the Ohio State men being emblematic of this, where they'll have an exceptional January and February, and you look at the Michigan women. All of those wins that you mentioned all happened two, three months ago, right? So when indoors you have being the key indoors yes. as well, right? So then you go and you have a, a two-month stretch where they're dominating Big Ten play, but it's really tough because you're comparing that to other schools that are playing top 20, top 10 teams on the road and at home. And so you end up kind of spitting these teams out that you're like, wow, that's a really pearly record. But I don't know. I haven't seen you get tested, you know, outdoors, right, ever. And in this case, when we have seen them tested outdoors, they've lost. And so the Big Ten holistically, it's really hard to assess where these top of the Big Ten teams typically are. If you use the Ohio State men as an analog, they are a top eight team, a top four team year after year, but can't ever get over that final a hurdle in the NCAAs. And so to your first question about how good is this Michigan women's team, I probably feel the same way in that I think they have warranted a top eight seed at NCAAs. I would immediately have them on upset alert in that round of 16 match. Doesn't matter who they're playing. And I would probably pick a lot of those teams that are falling in that 13 to 16 range against Michigan right now. Yeah. If Michigan, no team's conference tournament might be more valuable than Michigan because look, UNC is number one. They're locked in. I think the ACC, you know, Duke's going to be a top eight seed. It's all within the margins there. You know, I think NC State with the wins over Texas to beat Virginia this past weekend. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I think they've played their way in. Similarly, SEC, A&M and Georgia are the big dogs. Tennessee, Auburn, Florida are still scrapping on out to say, no, we're a 16, top 16 seed. No, we're a top 16 seed. Nothing is more valuable than for Michigan, to your point, to get a three seed or a four seed at the NCAA tournament. Because the last thing they want in the world is Stanford coming to town, is Texas coming to town. I actually think the line of demarcation is Tennessee. I think Tennessee versus Michigan is just a damn good match. Like, I think both teams have a lot of depth, a lot of options everywhere. But I agree. I think it's so much more important for this Michigan team to be a three or a four and even play like a Florida at home or a, again, a Tennessee at home versus getting a Stanford or getting a Texas or 
you know, God forbid Pepperdine falls out. And I know, again, the math isn't exactly clean there, but even Iowa State or Oklahoma coming to town, Oklahoma in particular, a second time coming to Ann Arbor. No thank you on that one, even though. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Just no thank you on that one. Um, I just say I'm ready for Coach Cohen to introduce to meet the parents. I was like, I feel like we're at that point now. Um, But here's the thing in a vacuum, Jay. I really like every player on this Michigan team. Like, for instance, with the and I know Jaden Brown's been really injured uh, for much of the past two years, uh, two weeks, uh, two months. There we go. The shoulders just been on and off. But like when her and Kari are clicking, that's a really good top two. Julia's playing three sets. Julia Fliegner at three, but she's got a combination of athleticism, firepower. You saw it against Czar when they played Pepperdine, how that match was just an absolute grind. You see it in every match Julia Fliegner plays. She's a legitimate option at three. Lily Jones has proven to be a legitimate option at four. And then again, Serdan at five or six. Gala Mesa who I've mentioned in the past, I've never seen lose a match where she needs to win at that sixth spot as well. If she can be healthy with her knee, I don't like you're right. I think this team is very it's very similar to a script we'd say about a Tennessee, right, where they're good everywhere, but maybe not elite anywhere. I think it's just like a slightly juiced up version of that because I think Kari, Jaden, what they've done at the top two spots and then at number one doubles as well. It's just like a, a little juicier Tennessee, if that makes sense. Maybe I would be interested to see that <laughs> sure, match. Sure. Uh, I mean, the thing we should call out is they are in the Peloton right now with a pack of teams in Georgia, Duke, NC State, all within a few points of each other. Mm-hmm. Right. So if Michigan doesn't win their conference tournament, then they could very likely find themselves as a seven or an eight. <laughs> and so it is very important that they finish uh, strong here. But yeah, in a vacuum, it's a very, very solid team. They certainly could be, you know, be make, making history this year with the Michigan women. And can I give you a second take? They're a year away because everyone but Sardan's coming back. And like next year, that crowd, that crew with the experiences they've gotten this season. Yes, it's the last year of the COVID eligibility. All those play, you know, there still is that one year of extra names and, you know, there's going to be some juice on the board. But Michigan is should be in the inner circle come next season, just given everything they are bringing back. But again, like. How much will they be tested? Let's talk about some of the other Big Ten results because, you know, you look for this Ohio State team. Again, they had an unbelievable first two months of the season. That win over Georgia might be the win we turn back to from 2023, scratching our head and be like, huh? How exactly did that happen in the fashion that it did? And to beat Tennessee, even in the kickoff weekend, God has that match aged particularly well. You know, again, though. What have they done since the start of March? Nothing too tremendous, although, again, the UCLA loss, I suppose, has aged a little bit. Look at Wisconsin. They beat Northwestern, but they drop a tight 4-3 match to Illinois this past weekend. And it really is looking with how those mid-tier teams, Iowa, Maryland, Nebraska, who are all solid, but they've all beaten each other up. The Big Ten's looking like it's going to get four schools in, Jay, in Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Illinois. And here's the other... Low, not uh, low hanging fruit, but thing we haven't discussed this year because we're a glass half full sort of show. Northwestern's been a disaster. Like, what has happened to this Northwestern program? Because even when I look at the pieces, like, I still like what their roster looks like. 
And I know there have been some injuries, but for them to lose 4-0 to Wisconsin this season, for them to be outside the top 60 for the majority of the year, that's just not how Claire Pollard teams finish. Yeah, it's not. We had this conversation a year ago looking at Michigan Northwestern, and we kind of said, like, who's going to be the higher ranked Big Ten team next year? And it was a question, right? And just looking at the polar opposites in which their seasons have gone, it's been really surprising. Uh, I think you alluded to injuries, but that's certainly been a factor, Um but certainly not the season that you're used to expecting from the Wildcats in the Big Ten. Uh, it's been really disappointing. Yeah. If I ask you right now, how many Big Ten teams get to Orlando? Are you taking zero? If the over-under is just half, are you taking the over or under? I would take the under. <sighs> is the Big Ten the worst Power Five conference right now? Unequivocally. I I think that I – look, I'm a Big Ten man. I I went to Michigan. You all know this. I will try to protect the Big Ten schools. I do think like the Iowa's, the Indiana's, the Michigan states of the world, uh, the Maryland's like they're not bad. There's like but there is it's just not what we're seeing elsewhere in the conference. And like, boy, could the Big Ten use an injection of USC and UCLA ASAP for women's tennis. They're like, can we get that next year? I know it's supposed to be a two year pause, but we're ready to rock and roll. I don't know. Like, I just come out of this 2023 Big Ten season again feeling icky. Like, I do think Wisconsin's going to hang around now. I think Illinois has been solid, Jay. But we haven't spent that much time on the Big Ten women. That's why I wanted to open here today's show with it. Final thought is 2023 is an unequivocal disappointment, right? It's not just that you only get four, but that, like, none of Iowa or Maryland or Nebraska, who were all pretty close last year. I know Iowa lost Noel and Danny Leitner, but – None of them pop this season, and that's an issue. It's so funny you say that. I think this has been a big step forward for the Big Ten. Because <laughs> really? there was a moment this season where Michigan and Ohio State were the storylines in women's tennis. Okay. And that never happens. Both of those teams have reached top five, if not top three rankings in this season. Never happens. It hasn't happened in years. It wasn't yeah. that long ago that we were talking about these teams not even making the NCAA tournament, right? Yeah. And now they have, you know, back in 2020 with the disaster, 2021 disaster of COVID scheduling. It was a, it was a mess, right? It was just a few months ago. We were all talking about this is like a rebound year for the Big Ten. And so, yes, Ohio State has dropped off but they're still a top 10 team by ranking and yeah. so for them to still have two top 10 teams that's a step forward for the big 10 all right i'll take the glass half look at us switching roles here i like it finally Jay. finally yeah. thank you <laughs> that was it's just me setting you up yeah you're just wrong because like again i was at the 2021 indoors when northwestern and ohio state were both there and ostensibly that's two of the top eight teams right in a field that was limited but like it's I you're right in the sense that yes they were the big storylines. I think I'm right as well in the sense that thirty thousand foot view. Did the Big Ten truly take a step forward this year? You have to do some contorting to answer that question. Yes, I think like a definitive yes because I, I just again like it's just felt a little status quo-y to me. But enough on the Big Ten. Let's talk about some soon to be Big Ten members and let's head out west to do that. Of course. The biggest victory of the week, and really, especially after NC State beat Texas, just any sort of upset 
any sort of thing to open things up as a pathway to the top eight, just about every team ranked nine through 17 was rooting for. Well, UCLA delivered that for everyone on standby as UCLA extends the Pac-12 and really the entire country a lifeline with their upset of Pepperdine. They knock off the waves for three. Let's just start here, Jay. A win over Ohio State, a win over Pepperdine. I understand the disaster that was the kickoff weekend, but let's be clear. Could have season could have really quickly gone to hell for the Bruins. It hasn't. And you have to give them some credit. The turnaround. This is a fantastic win uh, for this UCLA team. Of course, most notably, perhaps it's the fact that they're just getting really good at the top of the lineup. Right. And it starts. uh, I I just think they're just really good everywhere. Jay, your thoughts on this result? Not really good, but solid now everywhere. Yeah, and that's what we always said, right? When you look up, this is a team that when you looked up and down the lineup, if you looked at their roster, they have a really talented team. It's a little young. And I think one of the things that has been impressive is that they have rebounded, right? And you feel like some of those early season knocks that they took, they've, you know, come back around, right? They've been able to get back up uh, and get the wins over, you know, both uh, Pepperdine and Ohio State. I think this team in particular has a pathway throughout. I think they're very strong in doubles and that makes them tough because it's tough to find four singles against any team. And I think they match up very well with Pepperdine who has been having double struggles as of late. And if Pepperdine's not going to take the doubles point, they're very vulnerable. They're having a lot of issues at four. I shouldn't say a lot of issues, but they are having some issues at four through six, right? Their top three is very solid. But if you're able to take them out in the bottom of that lineup and you have a number one that can compete with Janice Chen, then you're going to win the match like UCLA did. So overall, it's a huge for the Pac-12, huge for for UCLA um, and a really good victory. We've talked about a lot of freshmen this year. You know, obviously Gomez Alonso at Arkansas after their upset weekend a couple of days ago. Obviously, the Auburn freshmen. We've talked about Reese Brantmeyer. We've talked about Diana Schneider. Fangran Tien is 14-0 at the top spot for UCLA in dual match play. She got a win over Janice Chen this weekend. Like, she has been really good. She's probably your best freshman of this 2023 season. And is this the first time we're bringing up her name formally on this show, Jay, this year? Yeah, that's a major unforced error by me. Similarly, you know, again, Kimmy Hans, Elise Waggle, they're six in the country. They're 13 and three overall at the top spot. And, you know, one of my predictions coming into the year was I expected a huge year for Kimmy Hans. Now it's been nine and seven in singles. So, so even if you're in the top half of the lineup, she has been as good as expected in the doubles throughout the course of this year. And to your point, this UCLA team's 33 and 10 in individual double sets. They have found their form. They have found their teams. They're seven and zero at the number three spot always helps to have your number one singles player play there. And she's there legitimately. Look, I don't know what this team's clear-cut pathway is to four every match. They've had to get creative. They've certainly had times, you know, Contanza Wright's gotten hot and cold. Vagramov's been hot and cold. Waggle and singles has been a little bit more consistent, but wasn't necessarily there to start the year. I don't know how they're going to get to four, but to your point, Jay, they're a lot better at getting to four points than they were early in the season. And they're young. And it's you've seen the development, I suppose, since January. It feels like they're competing better, right? It's been a talented team who I think is competing better. I saw a lot of fight in that match against Ohio State 
You saw that in Pepperdine. And look, it's not easy to do, right? Particularly on these long dual seasons, you take a tough few losses early in the season. It's it's easy to spiral. Um, so for them to bounce back, it has shown you know a lot of fight, and it makes the Pac-12 tournament, the kind of end of the season here out west, a lot more interesting. How many sets has Savannah Brodus lost in dual match play? I did look at this. I think it's like two. It's a trick question. She Zero. hasn't lost a set in dual match play so far. 15-0, yeah. and 0, her closest match, Jay. Her, I'm sorry, Westoff. Make a note here. We started at 9.01, so about 28 minutes in. That's where the edit has to come when you release it in podcast form. Her closest match of the season, 5-3 against Abby Forbes. Like, that's it. That's the only time someone even got to 7-5. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what are we doing here, Jay? Like, I, it's just, I, and again, like Chen's been really good as well. I'm, I'm just saying, like, my Brodus might be the best player in the country. Take, I'm sticking with it. So, so why is she not playing higher? It's because, stubbornness. That's a great question. Because it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? And, and you, and you wonder, right, if she plays at number one, do they win that match? I don't know because we haven't seen her at number one. So, yeah, yeah she's dominating at three. Got to move her up. You I know? agree. Like especially because Chen is eight and five this year, and Chen like Czar, Czar yeah. to Czar's credit, Czar is ten and one. Like so, Lisa's right. been excellent. Maybe you do. The problem is you can't do a formal dosi do right of like Savannah to one, Janice to three, because I think no, that would make the most sense. This is a Pepperdine team that had Janice Chen playing at four in yeah. mid-April and had her at one by the NCAA tournament, like in the matter of like three matches, yeah. right? Like. So you can do it. I just don't know why why it hasn't happened yet. It likely cost them. Now, I don't know. TN could have still won that match. It could have cost them that match against UCLA. And by the way, for any team, you talk about opening up the top eight. For any team to lose, the biggest opening was Pepperdine. Because every other team that's still in the hunt for a top eight team still has a ton of ranked matches in their conference tournament. The team that doesn't is Pepperdine. They could very likely be on the outside looking in, and it could very well be because of lineup machinations. Yeah, well said. Way to use the word machinations. That was the appropriate timing for it. Yeah, they're 14 and three. They have two matches left in the regular season at San Diego tomorrow. Obviously, a must win. San Francisco at home on Friday. Then they've got the WCC championships. Like, you're right. And especially after San Diego lost this past weekend, I'm blanking on who, but we'll get it to the other results. Like, there's just not a lot. Yeah, there's yeah, there's not a lot of points there. If Michigan beats Ohio State, uh, if Ohio State beats Michigan, I imagine they'd leap Pepperdine and then they would start to box them out. If again, like a Virginia gets a win over NC State or a Duke or a Miami, even just you're right. Stanford. Yeah, there is more low hanging fruit available for these power five teams. Than there, than there is now for Pepperdine. And so that was a really significant result for UCLA because it opened things up for everyone. But look, that wasn't your only notable West Coast result. I want to talk about the other ones that we saw this weekend. Now, Washington eliminated from the top 16 race. 6-1 loss to Stanford. Mathematically we, or in your head? In my head. Okay. In, yeah, Let's figuratively. Yeah, yes. I just I don't see them as a top 16 seed anymore. I yeah. should say no disrespect, because obviously I'm a huge fan of head coach Robin Stevenson, everything that's being built uh, in Washington. But they played their way out of it. You know, again, the tough losses back to back last weekend. And then you lose six one to Stanford, whatever. 
the six one to Cal is what's going to hurt. Like, and not that this Cal team isn't playing better. And by the way, Cal fans, deep breath. Congratulations. You've earned yourself the weeniest of pathways into the NCAA tournament. I mean, ranking wise, they'll be fine. But again, it's like, oh, we still haven't quite avoided that 500 rule. But they're a lot closer than they once were. And shout out to you for calling the Pepperdine cancellation last week, because if you listen to the show, you know, John J. Parsons, when I said, I wonder if they'll reschedule it. And Jay goes, they shouldn't. And <laughs> he was correct. Um, your thoughts. No, I said uh, they were going to cancel it because they couldn't take the loss. Oh, yeah. And, you and then correct. like 30 minutes after it's like canceled. I'm like, yeah. Oh. yeah. So I apologize. You predicted the cancellation, which is even more impressive. Your thoughts. I Did you go to Stanford, Washington this weekend? I didn't. These Friday matches are tough, everybody. If you can please schedule them later in the day, (laughs) I would really prefer that. Um, I wasn't able to go to that one. I did make it out for some other matches in the weekend. Um, But look, this Cal team, it's like you don't know who's going to show up on any given day. You don't know who's going to be feeling healthy. I mean, they can route Arizona State 6-1, Washington 6-1, and you feel like that is – the Cal that we kind of expected to see Mm -hmm. and then they'll turn around and lose to an LMU. Right. So you don't really know. I I think it's a tough back-to-back road trip for Washington. Um, And I'm sure it was a a really demoralizing after losing, you know, both of their road matches at Utah and Colorado to come and have to do the Bay area stretch as well. Just tough. Yeah. No, this is the, though the Cal team that can show up where, yeah, they drop doubles. Mm -hmm. Fine. Giovara wins in straights over Sato. Alsola, 0-1 over Olsen. Villermoller, 4-1 over Sakar at 6. And just again, if you're not ready to grind, Villermoller is going to get you. And then Weirsholm, 3-1 at the 3 spot. You're like, you guys could win 1, 2, 3, and 6 against just about any team that you play. And even Ivanov at 4, like on the right day, she's going to look really good. This Cal team still has pieces. Like you're absolutely right. For what it's worth, Alsola and Weirsholm are 9 in the country in doubles. So that is a doubles team for them to be building around. Yeah, I just like I have no idea what to make of Cal. Not like none whatsoever. Uh again, I think you see the highs are high, the lows are low. How healthy will they be? I'm telling you, like of all the teams who are not going to be top 16, if you're going to make a power rankings list of like the five you'd least like to see, isn't Cal on that list of five? If you're a top would, 16 seed? Well, I was going to say, aren't the three Pac-12 schools at the top of that list? Cal, UCLA, USC. I mean, that's exactly all what I was three of say. those teams are going to be extremely dangerous. And it's going to be – so Stanford right now is going to, looking to secure their top eight team. Did, did one of – Do you think Coach Farood this weekend like made a sacrifice to the tennis gods? Because talk about the best weekend for a program who didn't have to go out. Like it all broke Stanford's way this weekend for maybe the first time all season. There were a lot of dominoes that fell uh, for that to happen that made that path into the top eight for them easier. So they're looking to secure that. And then you have those three Pac-12 teams I just talked about. Throw in Arizona State, right? If one of them makes the one of them will will make the Pac-12 final, right? Maybe two. And so is can one of them be a top 16 seed? Otherwise, are they all on the outside looking in? And if so, one, there's not enough places to send them. <laughs> so they're going to be all over the country and they're going to be very, very dangerous. Yeah, that that actually, that's a great point. If you're to make your list and we'll do this before the NCAA tournament draw comes out of the five schools you'd least like to avoid, or you'd most like to avoid as a top 16 seed, 
I agree. I think you can make a case UCLA because they've actually gotten the big wins. I think they have to be one. I think USC would be two. And yeah, I think Cal would be right up there in three as well. And obviously, look, there's, you know, one of Florida and Auburn is probably not going to be top 16 there. That's another school you throw on the list. If somehow Georgia Tech, Miami beat each other up to the point where they get boxed out. Yeah, they're on the list. But you look at the other results from the Pac-12 this weekend. Again, USC, UCLA, both sweeping Oregon, kind of puts Oregon's NCAA tournament hopes to bed. Arizona State 4-0 over Utah. The big one was Arizona. 4-3 over Utah, 6-1 over Colorado. Arizona Wildcats keeping their NCAA tournament hopes alive. All right. That's 30 minutes on the Big Ten and the Pac-12, which I feel like is more time than we have spent over our previous 13 shows or whatever it's been, Jay, on each of those schools. That said, we are determined to remain efficient in our analysis of everything that happened throughout the course of the week. So with that in mind, let's rapid fire through the final weekends of the ACC and SEC regular season. That work for you, Jay? Let's do it. All right, let's start with the most significant result on the ACC side of things. Number one, UNC clinching the ACC title, 4-1 victory over Duke. It's the heels world. We're just living in a Jay, your reaction. Yeah, I knew this match was over the moment they played Sophia Patel in doubles. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never heard a more accurate statement. Carry on. I mean, there's not much more to say. <laughs> Yeah, it was over uh, and it was over and it was over, you know, in doubles, it was over in singles. I mean, there was uh, just it was more just shocking how big of a chasm exists between, you know, the two two of the top three teams in the country and, you know, in a rivalry match, in a match that in a similar position, Duke took the match last year. I mean, look. UNC, they're the most talented team in the country. They are number one by an extremely large, large margin. I agree with you. The glass half full, though, is Georgia Drummy is healthier. And she dominated Abby Forbes indoors uh, at the number four single spot. But yeah, like it was literally like, all right, who do we want to pull today? All right, Abby, you're not playing doubles. Uh, Scotty, you're good in singles. Um, and they still won four one. Just ridiculous. And, and it's senior day for Sophia Patel, so we would like you for you to get some action. Yeah, and so you're gonna play sick. You're gonna play three doubles with Scotty. We're gonna yeah. give you the NCAA champion as your anchor, Sophia. That's our gift to you. I mean, look, I I'm not selling Duke stock. It's just like, yeah, UNC, as the kids say, they're him or they're her. However, you want to say it. that's the team to beat. Um, NC State. 5-2 over UVA. Some scholars are arguing that's the best NC State's looked all season long. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like they might be... F I, I will say, that four-match stretch in eight days could have ended extremely poorly after they started very poorly. And it didn't. And they ended it better than they started, which I think is a good sign for them as they head into postseason play. I agree. Straight set wins at 1-2-3. and three. The key is Alana Smith is that good. Like she is elite at the number two singles position. She's proven that throughout the course of the year. That's not a hot take nor a revelation, but just like, you know, Schneider's going to get all the headlines. Smith's been the better player from a contributing points perspective for this team. And those two at one doubles. No, thank you. I just be like, you win six, three. Let's let's focus on the other two sets um, on the Virginia side. They drop the doubles point. They do get a 6-1 win over Wake Forest on Sunday. And for what it's worth, they had freshman Annabelle Shue back in the lineup, Jay. How impactful is that? Where are you with the Who's entering the postseason? 
Well, it's impactful, right? She was very solid for them at indoors. It's basically been the entire season she's been yeah. out. It's got a win against NC State, three sets, but it's still a win. Still a win. And that, you know, to to be playing three sets, you know, coming back from injury, always a good sign. It's just not necessarily factoring into a position that I feel like they really need. Because right now, I feel like Virginia's four through six is okay. They're really struggling at like two and three and four a little bit. And it's like, great. It's like another player who's like maybe at the cream of the crop of that group. It doesn't do a lot for them, I feel like. Oh, the question is like they pulled Julia Adams against like that was a decision they made in singles to your point of like we're we're not really worried about like because two through seven, everyone's the same to your point. Yeah. Like on the right day, Shake and Ciazdado and Travinsky. Again, Subas should be one, and that's been established, and Coach mm-hmm. O'Leary's gonna play her there. Dartboard, rest of the way. Like, I agree with you. I think on any given day, someone's going to look better than the other. And even against Wake Forest, like, yes, they won a bunch of straight set matches. I don't think they looked that good. Like, I I think they're kind of limping into the ACC tournament. Yeah, I mean, they made that match very interesting, and and they did not have to. Absolutely. But I will say, matches that were made interesting as they should have been, my two favorite matches of the weekend. Georgia Tech, 4-3 over Miami. Florida State. 4-3 4-3 over Georgia Tech. Jay, sometimes you just roll the balls out and there's damn good tennis afoot. That's what we saw in each of those matches. And I'll tell you what, I test-wise, I think Georgia Tech is just as good as Miami. I think Florida State with a healthy Vic Allen is just as good as those other teams as well. And to go full circle here, if you're making a list of five teams you don't want to face early on in the NCAA tournament, Florida is like, God damn it. like. Florida State's going to be our two seed in our region if we get a top. I mean, they're not they're not that upset about it, but like I just or Miami, like one. I guess you can't because of the conference, but like all these teams are top 16 good. I I watched it this weekend. Like they have the depth. They have the options up top with Lee and Noel and Bilchev and Fenning. And I could run through the entire FSU lineup, but they just got ballers in a bunch of different places. They fight. It was a really great weekend in Atlanta, Jay. Yeah, I mean, FSU in particular has a little like fire flame emoji next to their <laughs> name right now in the rankings because they are, I mean, they get your number one player back in the lineup. She's playing well, and that has just given them significant confidence yeah. in these matches. I did, After that match, I didn't expect to see Georgia Tech beat Miami, but that was an amazing match. And that match at one was just, I mean, with Alexa Noel and Carol Lee, it's a top 10 battle as it should be. Such high quality tennis. Look, a lot of those teams, and they know each other so well, right? At this point, uh, it makes the ACC tournament fun. We're probably going to see a rematch of Georgia Tech yeah. Miami in the quarterfinals. Florida State, though, dark horse, you know, yeah. uh, tough draws, but just, I mean, they're playing really well and they're playing with a lot of confidence. No, and that Georgia Tech team's young. Like, again, Lee's got another year to come back. Bilchev is a sophomore. Shara Burra, I think, at six is a sophomore. I know they lose Garcia Gross, who delivered the clinch for them this past weekend against Miami. But like, I was a little sad about that. I wanted it to come was, down to number one. I oh, say. Noel versus Lee in the third <laughs> set because Lee served for the set, served for the match up a set in five three, and Noel Broker takes the second set. The camera goes down on court number five as well. Jay and I was like, sweet baby Rays, like just let this come down to court one. 
I know. Of course it didn't. And it was, no. yeah, I know, like that you say, I know. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, it's bad when you're like watching court one and you're monitoring the players on the other courts. To be literally, like, literally. Yeah. I, you just get me, Jay. This is why this show has always worked because we have shared experiences where I, I'm pretty sure on our ACC broadcast, I said, all right. I'm going to go to court number four just to see if we get a look at five. And it yeah. was like, nope, they turned off the camera on four as well. So, again, it was a really fun weekend in Atlanta. I think all those teams showed top 16 potential. And this is why we spent so much time on the ACC this year, because they've all calloused each other up. They all know what good tennis looks like. All those teams ready to rock and roll. Last quick one here on the ACC, then we'll move on to the SEC. I mentioned Miami four over Clemson, FSU four one over Clemson. Two tough losses for Clemson, but Clemson's a solid team, man. I think their NCAA tournament good. Notre Dame consolidates its spot five two over Boston College in Syracuse. Heartbreaking weekend for Boston College. They serve for the doubles point at one in three against Notre Dame. Broken on both courts, a bunch of three setters to decide that match, and then for Syracuse. No disrespect to Louisville, and I know Syracuse only had five players, but like, ugh, both teams might have just gotten knocked out, Jay. It's going to be interesting. Syracuse could stay in. BC, I think, The got power of out. beating Miami. Yeah, seriously. Uh, you know, so, yeah, that's tough. I mean, the injuries to their number one player, it's going to be hard to recover from that. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, then, with all that said, let's move over now to the final weekend of SEC play. And again, we'll go quicker through this. A&M clinches back-to-back regular season SEC titles. They run the gauntlet undefeated again, wins this weekend, 4-1 over Vandy, 5-2 over Kentucky. Any additional A&M thoughts? No, no notes. Yeah, my note would be you lost Brandstein. You still did the damn thing. That's yeah. immensely impressive for Coach Weaver, Coach Zappo, and Absolutely. this A&M yeah. squad. That's a good point. Yeah. Other notable things. Florida's hot. They beat Auburn 5-2, get Bama 4-1. I guess, like, again, they're top 16 good. That's what I would say coming out of the weekend is we'll see how the SEC tournament shakes out, but, like, flip a coin between them and Auburn, and they just beat Auburn head-to-head. Yeah, I feel like I don't really know how good this Florida team is. They're young. And they're young, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see because they get that rematch, as you mentioned, in the SEC tournament, and then I think they'll play A&M, and those were feisty matches right yeah. earlier this season. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And they're just like, please just not indoors. Like we will go to whatever, if we're not a top 16 site, just send us somewhere without an indoor facility. Even if it's AM, we'd rather go there than play inside. Um, Auburn with a bounce back five, two over South Carolina kind of just put South Carolina top 16 dreams to bed. Although South Carolina does get a four Oh win over Bama. You have thoughts. I was going to say those South Carolina top 16 dreams were only in your head. Yeah, <laughs> they were only Alex Gruskin dreams. Yeah, I celebrate Iona Ackley. Don't don't hate the play. I hate the game. Um, Tennessee four three over Ole Miss. Like again, they avoided the upset. But I'd say most critically for the NCAA tournament, Vandy beats LSU four two. LSU though had to beat Kentucky. That was a winner take all. The loser goes home sort of match. LSU four two over Kentucky. I like Comar and Collins, and you know my thoughts on this LSU group. Yeah, they're still on the outside looking in, though, when yeah. it comes to the cut line. So they'll have to get an upset in the SEC tournament if they want to uh, qualify. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's rapid fire through the other results. We'll start with the Big 12. Iowa State, 4-1 over Texas Tech, 4-0 over TCU. 
a holding serve. I don't know. I just it just felt worth mentioning. Like Iowa State continues to quietly go along and do their thing. Yeah, and it's really like a four way tie. It feels like right now in the Big Twelve, and we'll see who who comes out on top in that tournament this weekend. Well, to that point, Oklahoma. 4-2 over Kansas, Oklahoma State 4-0 over Kansas as well. Again, Kansas had been hovering in the mm-hmm. top 16 conversation, very much on the outskirts of it, but the Oklahoma schools say, no, thank you. Uh, we're going to put that to bed. And then Texas 6-1 over Baylor. Any additional Big 12 thoughts? No, I mean, again, those four teams roll them out on – they're going to play it in Power Kansas. rank them for me. I'm going to put you on the spot. Well, Oklahoma number one. Texas number two, Oklahoma State three, Iowa State four. I think if I would have asked you in January, you would have said that as well, which is crazy that like four months later, and we're back to where we started. Oh, that's yeah. I'll answer the question. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, Oklahoma State four. I think I go Texas three, uh, Iowa State two, Oklahoma one. Like I, I do agree with you in the sense that Oklahoma is clearly the hottest of the group right now. Mm-hmm. And again, it's great to see Sleeth playing well again at the number one spot, just grinding away. Yeah, they're, they're just clicking in ways they weren't uh, early in the season. I don't know what to make of Iowa State. I just don't well, know. We'll what get to, to Iowa State when we get to rankings. I have a note on them for okay, you. Okay, I like it. Perfect. Let's move on then. SMU, two huge wins. They were the team that beat San Diego. They've just about consolidated their spot in the tourney, Jay. Huge. They went from well outside yeah. to almost a lock at this point. Huge, huge wins, San Diego and UCF. Yeah, those are two top 25 schools typically. And like, again, well, San Diego women national indoors this year, UCF not that far removed from the NCAA Sweet 16. Yeah, those are really good wins for SMU. Similarly, Charlotte, 4-0 over Louisiana Tech, 4-0 over Tulsa, uh, not Tusa. I apologize. That was a typo on my end, Super Producer Daniel Westhoff. Not your fault. Good wins for Charlotte. San Diego State, win over Fresno State, dropped a match to UNLV. UCF is fighting with the 500 rule. As Scotty B points out, it is going to be a photo finish. Uh, For them, they get a 4-1 over USF and then Princeton 4-1 over Brown. Your thoughts on all these remaining matches? Well, if you want to read more about my thoughts, I actually wrote on uh, uh, Tanner Stump's website, College Tennis Crash Course. Uh, I specifically wrote on the best of the rest, which were the non-Power 5 teams, of which you just mentioned. It is chaos right now for the non-Power 5 teams in that cut line range. You talk about UCF. I don't know the rules in the AAC. Some conferences don't let you schedule matches after the conference tournament. Their conference tournament starts tomorrow. So yeah. I don't know what the rules are, but yeah, they are the only school right now inside the cut line that is uh, out because of the 500 rule. Do I have to call my guy at Alabama A&M, set it up, get it rolling? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that the school? What was the school all those years ago? Well, it was Arkansas and didn't they play Arkansas State. Yeah, or... it was like that's it was one of the A's, and they yeah. played one of the states or, or a false A and M, where it yeah. was like, oh, wait a second, there's no Alabama agriculture and mining. Like that's not a real school. Um, yeah, I think it was Arkansas. Shout out to what a 2017 or 18 or 19, whatever that was. It was definitely 2017. Yeah, shout out to 2017, the golden days. But with that said, that is your. 
past week in the Division I women's college tennis world. With all of that established, we now have our latest edition of the top 16 rankings. Again, we wanted to spread things out here, make it clear who we think should be hosting the first two rounds or first three of the NCAA tournament. Not a ton of movement, Jay, as it relates to where things were last week. Now, certainly Pepperdine, following their loss to UCLA, they drop a couple of spots. They still remain in the top eight, but I believe we have a newcomer to our top eight. As you see, number one, UNC, number two, A&M, number three, Duke, number four, Georgia, five, NC State, six, Pepperdine, seven, Michigan, eight, Stanford. Welcome to the party, Stanford. Jay, your thoughts first on the top eight. Well, I think this is the right top eight, and I think they're generally in the right order. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I, I don't know exactly if this is my same top eight, but these are certainly the same top eight schools. Uh, where it gets maybe a little funky is with Michigan and Pepperdine, and Pepperdine just lost to UCLA. And um, you specifically, though, had Iowa State higher up and i was curious why you had iowa state above stanford well i think we had this discussion last week as well and just to clarify, i think it was a, a different school i had a bone to pick with you oh okay but just for the record <laughs> it, it's a it's a tier of like i think stanford texas iowa state is the battle right now for the eighth seed like and i i went through the resumes and i was looking i was like what's the single most impressive win of the group and Iowa State beat Texas at the National Indoors plus a win at Miami. What's Texas's most impressive victory? Like, yes, they beat Oklahoma a couple of times. No disrespect to an Oklahoma team we have said is rising. I just don't think that's impressive as the context of Iowa State's victories. And then Stanford's best win is they went to Texas and won. And so, like, for me, I have Iowa State first because I just think their wins are better than Stanford's. And then Texas third because Stanford beat Texas. But I know Texas beat Iowa State as well. Like, I'm well aware of it. I just think, like, all the resumes are pretty equal. And I guess on vibes, I went Iowa State. I mean, I agree with but you. I probably yeah. – no, I should have Stanford 8 and Iowa State 9. That That's that's an error on my part. I do think Stanford's better than Iowa State right now. Well, that's I would the pick thing. Stanford to win, but that's the only one. Well, yeah, exactly. Last week, I went through resumes, and it was like, oh, well, this is on vibes. And I'm like, on vibes, Stanford is miles ahead of yeah. either of these teams right now miles uh, i mean texas almost beat stanford like let's not pretend that match wasn't close and it was five two i guess it wasn't my but it wasn't and they dropped and they dropped doubles yeah please, and they please. dropped doubles uh but and texas has since lost to oklahoma state yeah, I, look i i agree which is why i have texas the lowest of the group like for yeah. the record let it show but yeah i guess it, yeah no, I, right. I just think right. Stan, I just think while yes, the competition in the Pac-12 right now is maybe not it's certainly not what it used to be. Like, I mean, that top three for Stanford right now, I mean, they are crushing people. Yeah. Um it's it, and it's is playing one and looks the freaking part, Jay. Yeah. Like, she absolutely. is playing the best tennis of her career. Yeah, and Angelica Blake is playing the best tennis of her career. I mean, she's at yeah. three. You have Connie Mott, too. And I don't I, even think Connie Mott like, cares. Connie, and I, I, but I saw a video of an emotional Connie, like a fired-up Connie. I forget what the clip was from, what match. And I literally made a note to my head, like, oh, this is new. Like, maybe there is something clicking right now at Stanford. Maybe they do have that mid-2010s juju going. 
Maybe they they do in the top three, the top, the bottom four through six need some juju. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think these are the top eight teams for sure. Yeah, um, I agree. And then right now, again, nine through 16, they're all my teams, albeit in a different order. I imagine you don't disagree either. We have Texas nine, Iowa State 10, Virginia 11. Ohio State 12, Miami 13, Tennessee 14, Oklahoma 15, Florida 16. The big absence, of course, Auburn knocked out after their loss to Florida this past week. I got no qualms with it. Auburn 17. And right now I'm 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 pretty much well, I'm down to what? I have 19 for 16. I have three other teams I'm considering right now. Auburn, Georgia Tech, and Oklahoma State. Now, of course, Florida State with a massive ACC tournament could flukishly work their way in. Absolutely. But yeah, I feel like those are like the 20-ish teams. And that and it really comes down to who's going to win between Auburn and Florida because that's probably your 16th spot. I think, yeah, that is a play-in spot for top 16. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I feel pretty good about this top 16. Any final thoughts on the rankings? You ready to look at the week ahead? Yeah, week ahead. All right, let's talk about that week ahead. Conference tournaments. On the horizon, Jay. So again, we don't have clear-cut matches. Oh, there's there are the computer rankings for what it's worth. Not too different uh, than where we are at right now. But uh, again, you look at the week ahead, Jay. ACC tournament, SEC tournament this weekend. Uh, throughout the course of the week, I think those start tomorrow, right on Wednesday. I want to say that's mm-hmm. the first day of play. Those are your tier one watches. Those are the things, especially as we get to championship weekend. Am I crushed to not be on the broadcast personally? Of course. Am I going to use this platform to express my saltiness? Yeah, I'll sneak it in in those past 15 seconds. But look, it's going to be really good coverage on Watch ESPN, SEC Network, ACC Network Plus. I believe my buddy Mark Lucero is on the ACC call. I'm debating being as petty as possible, Jay, because I already saw a text of like, what do I need to know about these teams? And I'm thinking Uh of just ghosting and just being like, I don't know, you could watch any of our past 10 weeks of broadcasts and maybe you can figure some things out. Of course, I'm not going to do that because I'm a decent human being. Um, Decent, not good. Um, But those are the two big conference tournaments. Which one appeals to you more? Ooh. Uh... Probably the ACC. I think for me going into the ACC tournament, I would be very curious to see if we can if we get an, a rematch of a with Schneider NC State versus UNC in the final. That's kind of the one match that we were looking forward to this year. We didn't get it. Um, so I think there's more in the ACC. I think right now you're kind of like going towards a Texas A&M Georgia final on the SEC side. So probably ACC. I agree with you. But if AM wins the SEC tournament sans Carson Brandstein, then like, again, then it's just like you can't even bring up that excuse anymore. Not that anyone's going to come the NCAA tournament, but it's like, OK, this team is just legitimately still as good as advertised. Like this team really should be the number two team in the country if they continue to run through the SEC in this fashion. But, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, come on. You've got UNC, Duke, NC State, Virginia. Miami, Florida State, Georgia Tech. Honestly, Notre Dame and Boston College are not bad teams. Like Syracuse, if they're fully healthy, is not a bad team. I honestly don't hate watching the Louisville women either. Like they have gotten crushed, but they are not a bad team. I'm pretty sure Clemson finishes third in the Big Ten. So again, not a bad team. It's really deep. Like, yeah, that's why the ACC has been the place in women's college tennis over the course of the past half decade but tier twos i have cal at stanford usc at ucla what's more interesting to you 
the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> oh, is that this week too? Yeah. I thought I looked and they had one more week. No. Okay, then that goes, into, that goes into tier one as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because that's, that's a four-team race, right? We talked about yeah. that. Um, but certainly the Cal at Stanford one, I mean, that's going to tell us a lot about both teams. Uh, so very interested for that. Uh, hoping to get out there for that as well. So all very interesting leading up to these final conference tournaments. Yeah, I think I go USC at UCLA just because it's a heat check match for UCLA. Like if they blitz USC in this one and it's in Westwood, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, in Brentwood, excuse me. Yeah, that's 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 an issue like that or not an issue. Then it's like put it in. UCLA is now who we thought they'd maybe be at the start of the season. Right. Uh, it's a fascinating. They're both very interesting, though. If Stanford is the tier one on vibes team that we think they're leaning towards, they should blitz Cal at home this weekend. And so that's to watch for. Other than that, Wisconsin hosts Indiana and Purdue. Illinois got Nebraska, Iowa, Northwestern, Iowa, Nebraska, Utah at Colorado, Arizona State at Arizona. But again, those three big conference tournaments, ACC, SEC, Big 12. Jay, we're going to end here on this note. Who wins the ACC tournament? Uh, North Carolina. Who wins the SEC tournament? I agree with you, by the way. I want to go spicy and say it's not that spicy, but I want to say Georgia, Georgia, but I'm going to go Georgia. And again, I've been very complimentary of this Texas A&M team, but I'm going to go Georgia. I'll disagree with you just to disagree, but if you would have said A&M, I would have picked Georgia just to disagree with you because I do think it's a toss up. Same thing. Big 12, four for one. Who you got? This is, you're right. I can't believe it's this weekend. It's the uncertainty of the Big 12 that makes it the most appealing of the three conference tournaments. Yeah, I truly think any of those four teams can win yeah, this tournament. I agree with you. Who, so who are you going with? Where is it? Do we know? It's in Kansas. Oh, I like that Kansas indoor facility too. I love the blueness of it. Uh, um, I wish we never have to use it. I yeah. mean, it's on, you know, <laughs> April well, 20th. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Say Oklahoma. I know you want to. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Texas. It's a good pick. Man, I don't know. Here's what I'll say. There are jobs opening. And you know who's gonna be the number one candidate of every job? Boomer Saya. You have to imagine he's going to get the calls, right? For all, I know Clemson's opening up. I think Alabama women's job is opening there's, up as well. There's so many. I, you want me to bring up my my list on my phone right now? Give us right the now? list, Jay. Let's hear it. What there's are the so jobs? many. Well, there's the Vandy men, but on yeah. the women's side, there's the Clemson women. There are yes. three SEC women's jobs open. There's Missouri, Arkansas, and Alabama. Oh, I forgot about Arkansas. Oh, yeah. another job that opens. There's four SEC Wow. Well, there's three SEC women's jobs and then Clemson. No, four, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three in Clemson. Wow. The point is, Boomer Sai is going to get looks for all of those jobs. And you know what would be a really nice final feather in the cap, and I'm rooting for the narrative, is for this team to go win a Big 12 championship. Do it for the first time in history. Oh, it'd be put that, unbelievable. Yeah, put that fi- final feather in the cap and then send Boomer on his way to Clemson. Um <laughs> Yeah, which, by the way, that is not reporting. That is just me having fun with what I would do if I was one of the young coaches. I don't know. We'll save it for post-NCAA tournament. Who are the three hottest coaches heading into the offseason who's going to get all the big looks and might be willing to move? You're, I'm, I'm not ready for that conversation, Jay, so we'll hold no. it for a little bit later. Uh, 
yeah, I think it would be fun. I know Scotty B's taking Texas. Wow, Scotty B. Not Baylor. Yeah, honestly, I'm offended by you, Scotty. Take Baylor on principle. Come on. Um, Yeah, with all that said, Jay, that's the past week in the books. That's a look at the week ahead as well. Any final thoughts before we wrap what I will acknowledge was a little bit of a scatterbrain show on my part. I do apologize for that fact. Uh, two two final thoughts. Uh, the first is that we talked a lot about the Power Five conferences, but there are also a lot of non-Power Five conferences that are happening this weekend. So keep an eye out on Twitter. The ITA posted a really good uh, link to all yeah. of the conference tournaments. You can follow along there. Those are really interesting because a lot of those conference tournaments are play in or lose, right? You win the tournament, you're in, you get the auto berth. And if you don't on ranking, you won't get in. So definitely pay attention to a lot of the non-Power 5 events. And this segues into the next point that a few of these conference tournaments, including some of those non-Power 5 events, like things like the Sun Belt, the AAC, often get featured on watch ESPN. So not, it's not just like the SEC tournament that you were talking about, the ACC tournament. We always talk about wanting to see more coverage of college tennis. Now's your opportunity. Tune in this weekend on any of those platforms. Look out for it um, because eyeballs matter. So if you have time this weekend to pay attention to some of those, uh, definitely tune in. And if you can't tune in, just go straight up, go. Be at there yeah, again. It's the last few weekends of college tennis. It's finally getting nice outside. Knock on wood, hopefully here in the Midwest. Go attend the college tennis in your community before it's too late. Last tangent. If a match happens on Longhorn Network, but no one can subscribe <laughs> on Longhorn Network to see it, Jay, did it actually happen? I don't know why you're bringing this up with like 30 seconds left because <laughs> this is an entire episode. Uh, <laughs> it'll be the mat. It'll be the forgotten match. Yeah, it was the best match that no one saw. And was, like, and I, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm sure you got these as well. I got several texts about the quality of the broadcast being good. And it was torturous. It was brutal. But I, that's why I was glad to see so many people who could enjoy it in person. Yeah, I I got texts from people being like, how can I watch? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, I don't have Longhorn Network either. I don't know no. what to tell you here. Yeah, again, we got to find something. I, it's, it's a Texas thing. Texas is Texas, and there's a reason they've won national championships. But, like, yeah, come on. You can't have one versus two on a subscription-only platform. Like, you're just killing the game, killing the game with things like that. But, yeah, you'll get to watch all the conference tournaments on Watch ESPN. It's much easier to find those ACC, SEC battles. And, of course, hopefully many of you have already been turning, tuning in to Watch ESPN for all of our ACC and SEC coverage. Now, that's officially in the books, but we've got Big Ten Friday. We're sat, uh, two of the three days this weekend. I don't know what we're doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We still got to figure out our exact schedule. But again, final weekend of regular season play in the Big Ten. We'll have it for you on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, who makes everything possible throughout uh, the course of our season here at Cracked Rackets. With all of that said, Jay, Appreciate you, as always, taking the time to join us. I recommend everyone listen to the No Ad, No Problem podcast, not just this week, but each and every week. Be sure to read whatever it is Jay's writing for the blog as well. Simply put, you will just be smarter as a college tennis fan moving forward. And 
Maybe now Jay believes I listen to the shows because I literally, I always text you, Jay. Come on. I'm trying to get better about it being like, I heard this point. I like it. Let me steal it and use it on our show. I don't know if you heard this in the men's podcast, but I referred to No Ad No Problem as the CSI Miami to our CSI. I hope you didn't get mad at it. <laughs> I will I can take being SVU. You can be the original law and order. If I can be SVU, I'm happy. <laughs> Let me just say, Jerry Orbach's one of my OG characters. Rest in <laughs> peace. And so that's fine. You could be the in the criminal justice system. I'm not going to do the full thing, but these are their stories. I tried to convince dun, dun. as a joke for my little brother's bar mitzvah that because there's like a candle ceremony. This is the last story, I swear. And then we're wrapping the show. Um, there's a candle ceremony at a bar mitzvah. You honor the people in the family, whatever. My little brother's reading all the candles. And of course, the brother, his two brothers, myself and Eric, get one. And you play music when the people walk up for uh, for to light the candle. And I... I was a sophomore in college, so obviously you're a little mischievous. And I begged my mom to play the Law and Order SVU track where it's like in the criminal justice system, <laughs> sexual criminals or whatever. These are their stories as Eric and I walk up as like a joke. And she was like, that is quite literally the dumbest thing you have ever suggested to me. <laughs> I was like, you just don't see the big picture then. But with all of that in mind, Jay, are you glad we didn't do it? Didn't yeah. do what? You, what oh, you your bar mitzvah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm surprised it's the dumbest thing you've ever suggested, <laughs> but you know. Okay, we'll leave it there for the fantastic John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turna and LS who make every week's shows possible. And from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tensional Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. We'll see you all tomorrow night to talk about the med. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.